you're listening to the Harford County Living Podcast. Thank you for coming, and please send any suggestions or comments to podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. The Harford County Living Podcast is produced for your enjoyment, and show notes can be found at harfordcountyliving.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. If you would like to be a guest on the Harford County Living Podcast, free of charge, please contact us at podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. Now we will begin the podcast right after this. If you're looking for a good primary care practice, look no further than right here in Harford County to Medical Health Group, located at 1415 South Mountain Road in Suite 100 right behind Wawa in Joppa, Maryland. They are doctors you can trust. Call them at 410-918-0777 or visit them at MHG, that's Medical Health Group, MHGdoctors.com. I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Harford County Living Podcast. Took a little break over the summer, but now we are back. Um, and we have Sarah is back with us. Hey. And we have uh, also Richard Wilmore Uh-oh. is <laughs> helping the co-host. But I want to thank, uh, we have a new uh, sponsor, Medical Health Group, uh, mhgdoctors.com. They're looking um, you know, they're, they need people, so go ahead and go to them. They're easily located right there at 95 and Mountain Road. Uh, it's actually 1415 South Mountain Road. Uh, call them 410-918-0777. want to thank them for uh, sponsoring, being a sponsor of uh, some of the podcasts that you're going to be hearing uh, from now till whenever we lose our studio. So, um, got an interesting one today. Uh, of course, Sarah's here, Molly's here, we got Richard. Uh, and we also have a team of people that deal with one of the most addictive sub- substances in the United States, Maryland, and Harford County, and that's tobacco. Uh, we have William Wiseman, uh, Dorothy Ruff, and if I pronounce your ne- last name wrong, smack me, uh, Linda Pigram. You got Pig- it. All right. Um, so they're, they are going to talk about tobacco, um, something that is very, we all know it's very dangerous, um, still a lot of people need help with it. It's a, it's a bad addiction. Definitely a bad addiction. Um, I guess what, Bill, are you willing to, are you, what do we want to talk, talk about first, prevention or? Why don't you pick it up? Okay. Well, we like to talk tobacco anywhere, anytime, any place. And for anybody who's listening who smokes, snuffs, snooze, uh, pipes, hookahs, uh, vapes. Wait, did you say hookahs? Yeah. That's, oh, Lord. We, no. Don't, don't get us going on that. Okay, now go ahead. <laughs> but all of that is tobacco use. And all of it, people get rather addicted faster than they think they will to uh, about any of the tobacco products. And we're a team at Hartford County Health Department that addresses tobacco. We try to uh, minimize the damage there. I have a co-worker who does tons in terms of prevention. Why don't you just tell some of the things you do? Um, I go into the Harford County public school system, private schools, alternative education, any program that is interested in learning prevention and education regarding tobacco. Um, Preschool through college, 
um, last year I educated almost 13,000 students just in Hartford County. Um, every program is different based on the year and the population that I'm speaking with. Um, I teach them what it can do to their bodies and now and in the future, whether they are not smokers when they're young, but they could be around secondhand smoke and they all know somebody in the family or on their block that smokes, so it does affect them one way or the other. You've been doing that in the schools for a while now, haven't you? For a long time. Well, you just said that in preschool. I, I, now I remember because you were talking at a place, and I think it was my wife. We were there when my daughter was in school, and she even said, I don't understand. Why are they talking to the preschoolers? Why? Because the parents are going to listen to the preschoolers. And Rich, too, because the tobacco industry is already speaking to that issue. If you walk into a convenience store, where are the ads? They're placed low where little kids can see them. Ah. So, so clearly, you know, let's let's go back to the basic issue. Why are we talking about this? So essentially, if we were to talk about an airplane falling out of the sky and killing all 150 people aboard, uh, there would be quite a some excitement generated out of that. But if the same airline producing the same jetliner were to have another plane fall out of the sky a month later, there'd even be more excitement. Right. And a week later, obviously, they would ground all the planes, they'd maintenance them all, they wouldn't be even in the air for a little while. This is a tobacco, tobacco's a product, essentially, it's responsible for more than 1,300 deaths, essentially, per day in the United States. Essentially, that's roughly equivalent to six airliners falling out of the sky, killing every human soul on board on a daily basis. It is the only product in America, when used as directed, kills and maims. We're in the business of trying to prevent it, and we're in the business of trying to help people who are already uh, addicted to tobacco to quit, and we're also in the business of enforcing youth tobacco access laws. Wow. Now, back with the education, you're talking in schools, does it seem like there's, because I know they raised the age limit to, is it 21 or 18? No, 18. Still, 18. But yet you're, it still seems like you're seeing a lot of high schoolers smoking. Sure. Does it seem like that number is yeah. going up? The numbers are actually going down slightly, they are going but down. they're being okay. replaced with this new phenomenon of electronic cigarettes or ends or vaping, as people know it. Okay. So essentially, whereas we there are still smokers in Harford County, the rates are about twelve percent, uh, slightly above the in Harford County, slightly above the state norm. Uh, we are seeing a reduction, has seen a, a regular, a consistent reduction over the last number of years. Unfortunately, we've seen. Uh, a, a replacement product come into view, and that's in uh, or vaping products that now account for about two out of every ten or one out of every five uh, school students, middle age and above, has indicated they've used that in, in around the last month or so. And they're not even safe either, are they? No. The vaping? Technically, the the scientific answer is we don't know exactly. because we don't know <laughs> so much. I mean. There hasn't been as a lot of research in it. Right. Uh, they're very controversial. It's it's been kind of like the wild west in terms of tobacco treatment people. There's a whole bunch of these folks who are doing research and, and doing treatment, and some think oh, harm reduction. Maybe we should talk about recommending vapes to people as long as they stop burning any kind of tobacco, and that sounds good. And I, I really wish it were good, but we don't have enough evidence. I, I would not comfortably recommend somebody going to ends using the vapes. Um, 
if, especially if they're talking about getting away from tobacco. Right. There are seven FDA-approved medications, and I heartily recommend any and all, and gladly talk with people about how to use them strategically. Because, you know, most people, if it's, oh, nicotine chewing gum, they pop it in and chew it like they chew gum, and some kind of get sick at the stomach, and some get serious hiccups, but they're not getting uh, the best use of the product. There are right. strategic ways to use it. So we talk about those things in classes. But the, the ends, um, they're supposed to be being regulated, but that has been delayed for another five years, which kind of breaks my heart. Because I think people need to know, and I would feel a lot better if there were regulation, if people actually knew what they were getting right. when they were using uh, the, the vapes. Well, yeah, I've seen these things actually, because people put them in their pocket and see them blow up. <coughs> that that <laughs> does happen. It's very small. Here, Dottie is our guru. On, uh, you you can Google. You're the vape guru. <laughs> I've never tried it, but you can you can Google um, vaping mishaps, and they have blown up in people's mouths, people's eyes, people's mm. noses have blown up. Many pockets have blown up. Uh, because most of them are lithium batteries. As we know, lithium is a very dangerous Ooh. kind of a battery, and we all know liquid's not supposed to be near a battery, but that's what a vape is. So it's a very um, interesting way. None of the vapes that are manufactured um, that you have to put together, you buy pieces that put come with directions. None of them come really? with directions. None of them. So yes, it's very easy to see a top needs to fit on a bottom. Just like the base of a light bulb, you have a bigger base, a skinny base, a tiny base, and it's very easy to think what fits. However, there are hundreds of manufacturers that put this together, and A does not always fit into B. So if it's too loose, even by a hair, or if it's too tight, it also has a better chance of exploding. So it doesn't, it's not an easy put together. However, you can buy disposables um, in the store, and those are made by machine. So those are put together a little bit better. Cheaper, so the younger a person is, the more apt they are to go towards a disposable. They look like a pen, they look like a mascara, so they're very easily disguised. They're very pretty, a, aesthetically, very, very pretty. And they School come in all flavors. All flavors. Oh, and yes. School here. colors, they advertise they have your school color. Now, what's wrong Are with that? Are you serious? Oh, God, give us some examples. Um, unicorn's blood is a wonderful flavor. Rainbow. Well, well, well I'm sorry, what? I don't know <laughs> yeah. it's a flavor. I've never tried it. Unicorn's but Mother's blood. Mother's milk was the most Mother's popular Mother's milk one. is the most popular flavor. Last year's convention, I didn't make it in this year's convention, but last year was Mother's milk. Now I was too embarrassed to ask the store owner what flavor it was, so I did ask another one. And it happens to be a custard flavor with a strawberry after hit, whatever that means. A strawberry after hit. Um, and rainbow, which was the number one flavor first, like eight years ago when they started the convention, rainbow's not a flavor either, but it happens to be Skittles. So, but what, ah. is the, what is the slogan for Taste Skittles? Taste the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Skittles is a patented name for a candy. You ask for Skittles, you'd get a candy, not vaping. Wow. But they took off on that and put, so Skittles, which flavor is it? There's hundreds of Skittle flavors out there. It's actually all of them. So it's a bombardment of flavor in your mouth. Too wild for me, but all the flavors are in your mouth, and, and that's what kids are getting. So, Rich, to an adult smoker, 
So a person who has basically been ingrained in the habit of tobacco use and cigarette use for a long time, do you really believe in your heart of hearts that these are being advertised to adults? Oh, That these no. flavors and covers are being advertised to <laughs> no. adults? Not at all. I, got, I mean, I got to get, got to give it to the marketing people for them. But no, I mean that's even. I mean, God, when I used to smoke like cigars, you know, cherry and all that. It's like, oh no, no. I just I don't understand the. I don't get that. Tobacco is very bitter, and it's very difficult to swallow that, inhale that, and the more sugar that is added through the flavors oh. reduces the bitterness the on the throat, the yep. harshness uh, of it. Okay. And the more bizarre the name, the more frou-frou the flavor that is in there, concoctions of fat flavors, you can buy a vaping yeah, liquid that's orange. You can buy another vaping liquid that's strawberry. And it's expensive. So two kids get together and they can put it, bake it together and make a third flavor out of it. And all kinds of alcoholical beverages um, are, can be made from this. But you can get nicotine flavor as well. Jeez. The point, I mean, kids like that kind of thing, but the the real health issue is that the um, the chemicals that right. are used when they're when people are vaping, what are they really getting? What comes out? A lot of people think, ah, water vapor, no problem. Donnie, would you like to comment on the chemicals in this stuff? Well, first of all, water vapor does not smoke. If you have a vaporizer or humidifier at home. It makes a very small train of a very clear mist right. six to ten inches away. If you've ever seen somebody vape, even in a car, you don't even see the person. It's a very long, four-foot, five-foot long, dense. white, thick, yep. dense cloud. If you've ever been behind somebody driving, you don't see the person. It's very scary. Really? No. You Are don't you still even allowed see to do it inside? You, there was a time yes. when they first came out that it was like, oh, it's cool. You can now smoke inside. But yeah. now the deeming rule says any rule that um, governs tobacco products will now govern <coughs> electronics. So you can't smoke inside. You can no longer vape inside as well. But in cars, you might. In ca your own right. personal car, right. you can. Not company cars. Right. So, yeah. But then the resale value of the car goes down, just like if you smoke. If It's very difficult to sell a car that if you vape or smoke in it. Years ago when this stuff came out, I had somebody that sat next to me, my job a hundred years ago, that vaped. And she would sit there and you could you can hear it, mm -hmm. you know, through the thing. And But, I mean, inside, right next to me. Have you ever been at a ball game when somebody's smoking bubblegum flavor and somebody over here is smoking ch um, cherry or something? And you're sitting there, you could almost vomit. It's very nauseating because it's very thick. No. But water vapor doesn't make a plume of smoke. So you have to understand that there is another chemical in there that is making that smoke. So logically, it can't be just water vapor. There's two common ingredients. One is propylene glycol and one is vegetable glycerin. You often see it as a VG. And those vegetable glycerin can be food grade, which is fine, but we don't heat it to the level that we heat it in a vape. That's the other thing. Vaping can go up to 400 degrees. What? And you have one, two, and three batteries that are in there. They are learning ways to make them hotter and hotter. And to put it in perspective for a child or a youth, I say a 40-watt bulb is common what you use in um, a living room, right. a lamp next to a sofa. <clears throat> would you put your finger on that if it was on for a while? Well, absolutely not. Your finger would stick to it. But that's 40 watts. Go up to 400 watts. We are getting close to... 
Why are we making it hotter? The hotter it is, you're changing the chemicals more. You're making it more toxic. Faster delivery. Faster delivery to the the body. Right. I thought when they first came out, maybe I was wrong because I had nothing to do with them, but I thought they were supposed to be as an age like quit smoking, not as an alternative. Right, I thought that's how they were marketed too. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, just got kicked off the island. (laughs) (laughs) We're on Jeopardy now. (laughs) You just hit my button. a lot of people think that that's what vapes are about. Not not the kids, they know. But uh, adults, because a lot of adults are trying these as a way to, to quit smoking. And there are a lot of people who really want to quit smoking, but it's, it's, it's more complicated than people really think about. So they think, oh, the vapes, they're new, they're interesting, they look exciting, let's do that. But most of the people who are trying to quit smoking, quit combusted tobacco, uh, actually dual use. They, they'll vape a bit, and, and that's not as satisfying. It doesn't deliver mm-hmm. nicotine. When you take a puff on a cigarette or a drag on a cigarette, you're getting nicotine to the brain mm-hmm. 7 to 11 seconds. That's very rapid, and that makes it highly addictive, highly, highly addictive. And I. Uh, the vapes don't deliver anything quite that fast yet. That's that's why the buildup here. More and more chemicals are being added to make it but delivered faster. It would be illegal for any of the vaping manufacturers to list themselves as producing a, a tobacco cessation product. There's no proof of that. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you know, again, it's one of those things that um, needs more research. And long-term research, too. There's no long-term yeah. data right. as well. How this is going to By the time you get that, it's going to be too late. Yeah. I mean, but which is, I'm so sure, the yeah. same From way cigarettes work. From a public perspective, we have to understand that how long did we smoke before the 1960s? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. issued a right. report and we started getting warnings on the, the packs of cigarettes. So how long was that? Uh, this generation, essentially, of, of ENDS products, of vaping products, they've only been around for about 20 years. And they weren't as popular 20 years ago as they are right now. Mm-hmm. Neither have been the, around that long. has the evolution mm-hmm. uh, gotten to a proportion where it is right now with all the products that I was discussing. So uh, we're only at the beginning. One of the products that, uh, that Dottie discussed, the uh, propylene glycol, is what you have in radiator fluid. It is carcinogenic. What? It's a, it's a carcinogenic agent. And that's in so, some of these vape cigarettes. Absolutely. Almost yeah. all. Yeah. I just really wonder, like, who decided, What? when was the tobacco not enough? Like, when did we decide, oh, you know what, I think I'm going to add some, what did you say? Radiator like, fluid Radiator fluid, fluid, fluid to this, because that seems like a really good idea. And whatever else is, you know, is in What's regular cigarettes. It's used to Like, who came up with those smart ideas? People. You just wake up one morning and you're like, you know what, I'm going to add something crazy to cigarettes well, today and it's going to really... Part of the problem was the um, doctors and scientists were learning what was making tobacco bad. And they were isolating some of the ingredients and we've now isolated over 7,000 added ingredients Oops, to sorry. tobacco. Uh, uh, actually, the 7,000 figure is when you combust. It's all of the... Right, right. But the added, more like between five and 600. 600. But when you heat them, they become something else. So it's another ingredient. Does that make sense? Yes. When you heat it, it becomes another ingredient. Well, the industry was, we were educating people that the ingredients in it that were added were harming people. 
So the tobacco industry, to try to make themselves look better, couldn't add any more nicotine to make it more addictive. They started adding other chemicals to make the nicotine work faster. To make the delivery, delivery. more efficient. Right. So the ammonia was one of the first ones that were added. Ammonia makes nicotine freebase to make it reach brain. the brain faster. So then when you get to a certain level of ammonia, and scientists and doctors figure this out, you can't, can't add any more ammonia in it. So then I add another chemical to make the ammonia work faster that makes the nicotine reach the brain faster. So they're always one step ahead of us with making it more addictive, quicker, sneakier. But keep letting to, this be legal. That's so strange to me. Well, is tobacco yeah, itself, like, gross out of the field, is it, it, that itself... Is not the issue, really, right? The tobacco it's everything The nicotine in the tobacco is the addictive part, which is the main ingredient in vaping. So we've isolated about 40 ingredients added to uh, vaping, whereas tobacco has, um, with the um, combustion part of it, over 7,000. So the way they present it is, is over 7,000 ingredients worse than vaping, which only has 40. Now, we've not identified all 40 because it's not regulated yet. So you can't really come across by saying we're better because we only have 40. But if 10 of them are carcinogenic, it's not any better. CDC and, uh, and public health in general have referred to these for the time being as harm reduction agents. That is, they're not as harmful as. But there's a huge difference, Rich, between saying this is a safe product and a less harmful product. Also understand that in the United States, in the United States, we can never accuse big tobacco of being uh, on the short side of technology. Who's behind vaping in the United States? Big tobacco. I was going to ask that question. How many tobacco companies sure. actually own these vaping cigarettes and all? Sure. All the disposables are owned by big tobacco. So even though we're reducing the number of people smoking and we're increasing the number of people vaping, and the majority of vapors are up to 25 years of age, the older people that are established are not going to change to vaping. Some do, but the majority are younger. Right. They're laughing all the way to the bank. So we're looking <laughs> at the next generation of product users, and there are more on the way. I mean, wow. how young, like, what is the average age of when they're starting to smoke? Well, statistics start from age 18, and we know that um, high schoolers and middle young. schoolers, but that's not when they start counting their statistics. We know that 90% of, and this is good, fast, hard and fast CDC research indicates that the that 90% of the lifetime tobacco users begin before the age of 18. We also know that closer to 95, depending on the statistical database that you use, between 95 and 99% begin before the age of 25. So from a prevention standpoint, bringing this full circle, Rich, our primary goal in education is to prevent the onset of tobacco use by youth. So if we can get them to age 18, we stand a much better chance that they'll never use tobacco. Right. And if we can get them to wait till 25, there's almost zero chance that they'll start tobacco after that age. I think a lot, a lot of kids, I think if they see their parents smoking, they're going to tend to smoke too. Well, I've had and youth in, in elementary school say to me, well, my grandmother smokes and she's 30. And first you want to smack them because that's not old. But still... My, um, my grandmother and she's okay. Oh, oh yes, quite a few. I, I can know. be a grandmother. Yeah, and so I could. Could I. I could be a grandmother. 
<laughs> but they see their family smoking, and they don't see them as being old. Yeah. They have good genes. It's not going to happen to them. And that's the yeah. attitude. It's not going to happen to them. Yeah. And just as genetics work in that direction, Rich, they also can cause these irregular, dramatic cell changes to occur in a 40-year-old. So in, in large part, uh, it, has, it has to do with the product, and in some part has to do with our genetics. We understand that. But again, it's a health risk. No matter how you look at it, the three main causes of death in the United States, heart disease, uh, cancers of all sorts, and, uh, uh, and lung diseases are directly related to tobacco they all cause, a lot of them caused by tobacco. Jeez. There's hardly any part of the body, any system of the body, that is unaffected by tobacco use. I mean, it's the nose-to-toes horror show, if right. you really want to get down to it. Um, circulation, breathing, oh, the, the DNA changes. You know, huh? we mentioned 7,000 chemicals by the time you put it all together. Seven, about 7,000 chemicals have been identified with combusted tobacco. You don't have to worry about all 7,000. About 250 are toxic. Uh, about 70 have been identified as cancer causers, confirmed cancer causers so far. Jeez. What most people don't realize is when they start smoking, they don't feel a change. But over time, somewhere in there, DNA can be changed. It can be damaged and changed, and you usually see the impact of that 16 to 20 years later. There are people who quit smoking, and we celebrate that. Right. Because it does make a radical change. It does uh, begin to drop a lot of risks, but it doesn't drop all risks. No, it's still Simply in your system. Simply because if DNA has changed, then you see the output of that sometime later. Yeah. But I know that was always my mother's biggest thing because and she was a heavy smoker. As a matter of fact, and she got lung cancer. Yeah. And when she went in, you know, she's going through treatment, she quit. And when she found out she was in remission, she started again. She started again right away. And she, oh, I didn't, see, they'd already beat it, so it's not going to beat me. Yeah, guess what, Mama beat you. So yeah. it's, you're right. A lot of people think they can, they're not, I don't want to say it more. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're more well, powerful I'm than it, I guess. Well, <laughs> to take this back to the discussion of youth, obviously what youth thinks they're ever going to die. Yeah. Well, I, I like a word that I borrowed from um, some of my friends who were dealing with other ad addictions. They taught me the term stinking thinking. It's an thinking. It applies so well with tobacco, doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, it's an addictive mindset. It, people can rationalize why they, they don't have to quit right now. Yeah. And I've seen that in, in some of my groups. Uh, I've had people look at me after about the third week when it's getting time to put the tobacco down and put on the patches or use the lozenges or gum or whatever. And they will look at me in all honesty and say, um, I'm not. I'm not really feeling sick or anything right now, so I, I think I'm okay. I, I, I think I'll do this a later time. Stinking thinking, rationalizing why it's okay to um, use tobacco again in any form. And and I have people who've come through who are cancer users. I mean, cancer survivors, and 
they kind of live in denial that the use of tobacco after one cancer usually sets them up for a, a kind of an ugly outcome, a recurrence of some form. But this this pattern of thinking, I I tell people they're I'm suspecting that their brains have been hijacked. You know, if we were talking in terms of aliens, nicotine as it's delivered into the body, it goes to the brain seven to eleven seconds and the thought process is there's there's actually chemical change in the brain but then the when somebody's brain is under the control of an addictive substance then just rational thinking process what most people would say well just quit that sounds real good yeah. that we all sit around and laugh at that kind of advice because it's it's useless but people's Willpower. brains are changed <laughs> It's even more than willpower. It's strategy, it's a process yeah. to get free, I guess from any addictive substance, but I'm telling you, um, my tobacco groups, I am so grateful to the participants because they share the struggle. It is so much more than most people realize they're dealing with. I mean, a dopamine dump feels good and nicotine triggers a dopamine dump so the brain change the body's not satisfied anymore and it begins to yearn for the next hit and I mean addiction is addiction is addiction I'm finding it. And remember we're talking about a double whammy here we're talking about psychological habituation and frequency that is a, a dead result of uh, what other substance can you reinforce, what other drug can you reinforce 100 times a day. If you're a 20 day or 20 cigarette a day, one pack a day smoker, you take five inhalations, that's 100 hits a day. That's 100 dopamine hits a day. Essentially, if you take this process now and relate this back to youth and the underdeveloped brain, essentially it creates even more risk because we're dealing with people who can't make rational decisions, are clearly unable, organically unable to make uh, adult yes, decisions yes, yes. as effectively as, as, uh, I'm as really, they should. I'm the technical one, and I talk about three bears. The, the physiological addiction, that's the brain change, the nicotine, the fast hit of a powerful drug. Uh, psychological dependence is that other bear, if I'm hungry, if I'm angry, if I'm lonely, if I'm tired, the tobacco, I'm going to use this. If I'm stressed, who, who, give me some cigarettes, that'll take care of it all. Hmm. <laughs> People want to feel better, yeah. and I, I get that part. And, and there's a third bear, just habit. There are some people who are very habituated. They, 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 at this time they do this. I can tell it when I ask some, a group of people, is anybody hungry? Some people will look at their watch. My dad always uh, yeah. did that. Dad, are you hungry? <coughs> Check out the watch. What's that got to do with it? It's at, at lunchtime you're hungry. Yeah. And, and so there are people who are used to, to uh, using their tobacco or probably their vapes as they get a little more into that. Um, there are certain times it, it there becomes a very regimented pattern of use, and it's tough. 
Yeah, to I'd break like, any of those bears. I'd like Dottie and Linda both to talk a little bit more about what they do, but one of the things that Linda's addressing right now is one of the mechanisms that we use in one of the, the areas in which we draw attention, and that is the automatic behavior. And we, we actually have people trace their cigarette behavior. Uh, we also refer frequently to what's called triggers, much the same as a trigger on a gum and initiates the action. So for many people, what Linda's talking about is whether it's putting on the cosmetics, the end of a meal, drinking coffee, getting behind the wheel of a car, any of those things can automatically trigger and the cigarette is in your hand and in your mouth before it's ever realized that it's there. Those in some cases are the easiest ones to quit. Really? Sometimes because obviously you can draw attention to those factors and what I'm doing, what the triggers are. But I'll let Linda take it from there. And again, I'd like to spend some time on what okay. Dottie talks about uh, in her community and school health presentations okay. to kids. <laughs> um, I started before by saying that I go into the schools um, and also into the community, faith-based organizations, um, businesses in Harford County. Um, I must be invited. I cannot invite myself, but people, most people around here know me. Um, I go through the, uh, the public schools as the largest entity of students that are here in the community college too. Um, and teachers will invite me to come to their classroom or by grade or by entire schools. I'll do assemblies by grade because I have an interactive program. I try to keep the program under 150 students at a time because I ask them questions I, in right. to see them um, and I've seen many of these kids grown up from preschool now they're all taller than I am you know do you remember me do you remember me and I'm like taller now but there's a lot of students and they've seen me through the years um, but I do programs I did police camps this past summer teaching them safety habits, and of course tobacco not being a safety habit. But there's always something new to learn about tobacco, so it's not boring. And each program for each grade is different, so it's not, it's grade and age appropriate. And I always try to give them information that they can bring home to family members. Look what we learned in school today. Um, something to talk about over dinner. Um, and many students come back and, and tell me, or, or somebody in the classroom comes back and tells me, that you know, they learned all about tobacco. You have to quit because this stuff's bad. And a lot of times they will quit for a student, or a student is in a car and the mother, father is smoking. You can't do that because I'm in here and it's choking me. Right. You know, and to get them to lessen the places where they can, we make it harder for people to smoke. Now you have to go outside or try not to smoke around a youth inside. And you can't go everywhere outside. Can't go at 50 feet from the door. So we are making it Harvard harder. County prohibits use on any any public grounds right you can't smoke in the parks and no parks or any place yeah. like that yeah. so we are making it harder and it is working we are reducing the number of youth that are smoking the number of people that are smoking but this alternative vaping um, which still is quite addictive because the main ingredient is nicotine how do you keep up you said it was it's changing all the time obviously like how do you keep up with your program to make it up to date, that has to be several so times much a work. year. We go to conventions. We go to information from the Food and Drug Administration, the Center for Disease Control. Um, there's many groups around that have documented information. It's not just people talking about it. That we learn updates all the time. We get uh, messages. Uh, we take 
webinars, webinars, seminars, several times a week the to HMH keep up on this information because it is changing all the time. Yeah. There, the yeah. industry is a step ahead of us. I was going to say, I, I would imagine way. it's much like buying a computer. You know, you leave Best Buy or wherever with your computer and it's already out of date. There's always some, yeah. there's, something, there's already something yeah. newer coming well, in, anything, sitting I mean, on the shelf. Everything's behind. always changing. Yeah. 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 And that yeah. perspective did Dottie's job. Understand that she's teaching these concept rich to kids. At one point in time, Dottie was dealing with preschoolers, still does to the extent right. that she has the opportunity all the way through college level. So yes, the issues are different and they've got to be presented to kids in a way that they can reasonably expect it, be expected to understand. So that's a challenge. It's a tremendous challenge. And that, to the extent that Dottie, Linda referred to earlier as the guru around here, Dottie is the primary resource to Harford County Public Schools and all of their health educators relative to uh, tobacco products and specifically vapes. I can feel myself starting to laugh, so I ha kind of have to share this for a second because I remember when I was young, my mom used to teach about tobacco use, and I remember she came to, um, I guess it was St. Margaret's, we probably were in school, and she used to, she told us this story about teaching preschoolers, and you go and you have this whole thing prepared and how to approach them, and it's, you know, um, who knows somebody who smokes, and it's like, oh, I, I do, my dad smokes, I, and then the, the, the next kids, I oh, have a dad, and then I have, <laughs> yeah. I have a dad, I don't have a dad, but I have an uncle, and like starting the whole day, it's like, it's like herding cats, how can you That's rein right. them in, I just and kept thinking about fishes. that when you were talking My dad about, caught, caught a fish <laughs> Right, day. right, I caught a fish once, yeah, that's it's, how you it's keep hard them, talking to the priest how you keep them reined in and focused on, on the, the topic is, and that part, that's very good involved. at that. Yeah. yeah. She really is. She's, uh, she's I've had mom. three kids of my own, so I've heard it. <laughs> um, in, and there are ways of focusing key questions that you can ask to get them in. Um, and just say, you know, we always try not to talk about anybody personal because we don't want to offend anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So the phraseology they use in school is, I know someone who. The little ones sometimes, they can't help themselves. And they're just like, <laughs> oh. But that's okay. Um, we just don't want to hurt their feelings uh, by talking about them behind their back. Mm -hmm. um, but key questions, and in the beginning, it's little bits of information. I always start out in the younger groups as it not being a healthy choice. Mm -hmm. Little kids don't believe they make healthy choices. They don't believe mm -hmm. they make any choices. Mm -hmm. So I start the program out by asking, um, did you pick that hair ribbon for your hair? Or for a boy, did you pick your shirt? And some of them say, no, my mom picked it, that's fine but you always will find somebody that they helped pick out their outfit or whatever. That's a good choice. Well, if you get a color page, can you pick the color crayon you want to color it? Yeah. In a lot of schools around here, they get breakfasts or at home. Did you get to pick between cereal or a Pop-Tart? Yeah, well, look at all these choices that you can make yeah. and put it in the perspective. Tobacco is not a good choice. Um, that there are other things that you can do. You need your lungs to run, jump, and play and this reduces that. So we don't go into the harmful effects very early on. We don't want to scare the kids. Right. Because you could have someone boo-hoo crying because they have a family member that smokes, they're gonna die. So you can't say it like that. Right. Healthy choices, bringing it in, little bits of information every year. By the time you get to high school, depending on the program, because there's a health class that is mandatory, there's an advanced health class, and there's also public health in several of the schools. So when you get into a public health class, and this is a public health issue, we go into all the diseases, mm -hmm. um, how tobacco makes our health insurance go up higher, how it affects our mental health, and that affects your work ethic. 
Um, people that are so addicted need to have that break. So do you want to have a surgery? Do you want to be in the middle of surgery? Your surgeon needs to have a smoke break. <laughs> oh, well, they can't. Well, why not? You know, they need that smoke break. They could be really nervous doing your surgery and have to get out quickly <laughs> because they need to have that cigarette. Yeah. Well, it's going to happen, you know. But they That's don't really interesting. I never, never thought about that. Thought about that. Well, a lot of, I mean, a lot crazy. of the things you were talking about, I never thought, and one of the things that you, you brought up something, this one kind of baffles me. You said you have to be invited in. Yes. So, like, community, like, I'm a member of the Lions Club. How come you can't reach out to, you know, like, Lions, Rotaries, and say, can we come and talk? Oh, we can do that. We can oh, do the something. school's a little bit different. Sometimes. Okay, yes. so it's just the schools yeah. you have to be invited right. to. But okay. now you being a member of the Lions Club, you now know me. Maybe oh, I've you already thought about that. the message along to the people that get speakers in, well, and now I could possibly get into the Lions Club via you. I want to also get you into the Leo's Club. Because the Leos are the kids, twelve to eighteen. Oh, and they meet, we have a we have a local absolutely. Leos club that meets here too. And I got into the Boys and Girls Club via there was some students that were in school that had a mother who was a teacher who puts their kids in that way. Word of mouth gets around, mm -hmm. but I can put out feelers, but mostly it's word of mouth. In the school, you can't put in um, a request out to every school teacher, every school. You can't mass mail. Okay. So um, I have to go through the person who governs the health program in the school, tell them what I do. It has to be age appropriate, language appropriate. Um, private schools are very different as well. I've been to St. Margaret, St. Joan of Arcs, quite a few of them up here as well. You have to get approved by their PTA, PSA, the, the pastor of the school, school and you have to get the blessing yeah. before you are allowed to get in. And sometimes it took years for me to get in. They all know me now and I can get into the schools that way. But I go into school, I go into programs as well, all up and down Harford County, like Frito-Lay or Clorox or Coles, I can get into programs there. Um, and often it is because of a parent of a student that right. I see in school. But for example, Frito-Lay up here, they make a lot of good chips, but that program is a wonderful organization. However, they built a beautiful gazebo for their smokers because they no longer can smoke inside and they actually have to shut down their assembly line all at once because you can't have 10 out of 15 people going out for wow. a smoke break and now you can't smoke inside so they built a beautiful gazebo now they're rewarding the smokers so the yeah. people that don't smoke don't have a gazebo to go to so more and more people say they smoke or have an excuse to go out so they can get that break as well so it's a it's an interesting way of rewarding people. Huh. Ooh, 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 I got uh, uh, oh, oh, ooh. Change That's the name of it. It's no longer the cigarette smoking pavilion, it's the coffee drinking pavilion. Yeah, well okay. actually <laughs> we uh they're big businesses. There there are more and more businesses that are going uh, at least smoke free, possibly tobacco free, because somehow it just doesn't seem right to give addiction breaks. Well, most people who are using tobacco, not everybody, but many, many, many people who use tobacco are addicted. And so they have to step out. They don't have to sign off time at the clock. So you're allowing smoke breaks, addiction breaks. And I've had a number of people come through my uh, quit groups that started smoking because they were working somewhere and 
the smokers would go out for breaks. So when they started out, they got, hey, where are you going? They were not allowed to go out and take a break. Somehow that's not equitable. And so there, there are people looking at, at this whole thing a little bit uh, more deeply, mm -hmm. shall we say. And there, there are some changes coming. That's Slowly. a good thing. But in the meantime, for the Lion Club, you know, if the Lions Club had any tobacco users. Oh, we do. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to point critics. fingers. Oh. <laughs> well, not even that. But, you know, this often happens. Dottie talks to kids in the school, and I get some grandmothers <laughs> that come into my tobacco groups because their kids were fussing at them. And their kids were concerned about them. And so she has impact even on getting people into the quick classes. What I do most of the time is uh, organize publicize and run. We are both certified tobacco treatment specialists. I'm very grateful that the health department allowed us to go through the training under Mayo Clinic. And so that helps us a whole lot to have knowledge and to stay in, in, uh, uh, in the know because we get updates. But the tobacco groups are open to anybody. There's no charge for them. They're open, the, the groups, anybody can come to those quick groups. People who live and work in Hartford and or work in Hartford County uh, would become eligible to receive uh, the nicotine replacement products that we provide. Um, we do that through a voucher system. Uh, and there's a qualification. If anybody's listening and wants to quit, just give us a call. But if, if there's an organization that wants to uh, have a like an in-house Mm -hmm. Quick group. If I get eight to ten bodies gathered, I can bring my uh, show and tales and come out and run groups. And I do that. I, I have public groups three or four in any quarter of the year um, and in various locations in the county, open to anybody. I usually think in terms of adults, but I did have a a father who had a 14-year-old daughter who was smoking, and he wanted to know if she could come. I said, only if you do. And she did quit, by the way, and the dad did temporarily, but uh, tobacco use is considered a chronic relapsing condition. And that's pretty discouraging to somebody who gets quit and then starts back again. They kind of beat themselves up. But that's the nature of the beast they're dealing with. And so we talk about, and, and in the groups, I won't give you the full six weeks uh, information here, but the process and the issues and the roadblocks and the bumps in the way and then how to get around those things. So the Lions Club could actually sponsor a group? Yeah, if they wanted to, I would and, come and to like them. the public that, you know, say, look, we're going to meet here, and it's what, six weeks? Well, it, it depends. I tailor it. Uh, there are some private groups that I go to that they will not, uh, their people can't meet for more than like 45 minutes. Right. Um, I can't say hello in 45 minutes. <laughs> so I'm thinking we about expand 40, the time. But I'm, for the public groups, uh, six weeks, generally one and a half hours. Right. Uh, one morning, night, afternoon, whatever works. Uh, a week for six weeks. Okay, that's what I was thinking. If, if like, if our club sponsored a public group to get the people in the community to come and quit, because I think in our club we're fortunate. I think we only have four smokers. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah. We have a lot of 
people that have quit. Keep those that haven't on your prayer list. Because oh, the I do, and I yell at them. I yell at them. Well, don't yell. Now, be nice. <laughs> uh, in fact, I have had people who came into the class, and they they said, I would have quit three years ago if he hadn't been nagging or if <laughs> she hadn't been nagging. So, you well, know. And bear in mind, people don't quit unless they want to quit. Exactly. You never yes. quit for anyone else. Say, my mom used to give my husband a hard time. but She doesn't anymore, but she used to. And I, you know, he's not going to quit if he doesn't want to. Not to mention, he's tried a few times; does not work out well for us. Yeah. So, if he decides to quit again, he'll be a resident in her home until that passes over. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's already been decided. She's like, okay. you can come live with me. I'm like, great. When you're ready to quit, you just go live it. Well, I mom would, and dad. See, live in the county, work in the county. I'd love mm -hmm. to see him if, when he's when he's kind of interested. People don't have to be ready. You know, this is, you go through several stages before you get to the action stage and really get quit and move into, I talk about recovery because it is a very highly addictive drug they've been dealing with. But to want to quit and to start, people use, it's not uncommon for them to drop back a few stages and say, let me think about this a little more. And that's okay, but it's a process, and helping people learn to assemble the tools, mm -hmm. the skills that they need to overcome an addiction, that takes time. And to catch them when they're ready is important as well. Uh, one of the things that we did many, many years ago was we tried to cycle people into our cessation and treatment programs, as we're calling them now, uh, appropriately enough, at the beginning cycle, in class one or class two, we realized the, the benefit of availing people to services when they need them. So Linda no longer cycles her programs from a 1 to 10 or A to Z type of an approach, but rather deals with the people that she has and cumulatively addresses those issues as needed for people coming and at various stages through the group, which also, I think, speaks to, to Linda's talents and being able to, to, to do so. One other thing I wanted to mention here was another uh, unique opportunity that the community groups have, Rich, uh, is to, uh, to work through our special opportunity mini-grant process. Uh, our, our CRF, Civil Restitution Fund, guidelines from the Maryland Department of Health uh, Administration dictate largely to us what it is that we have to accomplish. And one of those that they are asking, requested, we do every year, is extend uh, opportunities to community groups and to schools uh, to to do work on their own, so that we okay. can work extend the work that we do through the community, through non-governmental organizations, private organizations, uh, private entrepreneurs, as, and the like. And again, this also falls under under Dottie's ballywick. Uh, last year, I think Dottie, we did what six total. Yes, there's. I can't be everywhere. I try, but I can't be everywhere. <laughs> um, and to reach people that I can't get to. So for example, the Lions Club, I have limited amount of monies available that I can give to groups where they can actually do programs for their particular group. Okay, so for, for their group that I might not be able to reach, they can um, take this money and do programs within their population right. of people. So I, I can spread out even further by doing these mini grants. Hmm. Yes, and now I guess with the mini with the grant, we, well, it, it, 
I mean, like the Lions Club, we can get the grant to do this? Or? Right. Um, I can offer money to a group. It's got to be a 501c3 there, right? Yes. Okay. Well, we just got that, so we're good. <laughs> I've got to have a, 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 a vendor number, something an an EIN, that we right. can, okay. it says a tech status. Right. Okay. Yeah. Huh. But it reaches a population that I might not be getting to. Right. And generally, these are in the thousands of dollars, but uh, they're only generally one, two, three thousand dollars of these. Well, I, I mean, I think it's something that you guys are not just my club, but all the clubs in the district, I think, should do because, especially here in Harford County, if you're on Facebook, you're always hearing people complaining about, you know, well, this person just passed away from cancer. I, I haven't seen so many cancer deaths. It's ridiculous. And a lot of it from smoking. But it's also hard when you're talking to me, it seems like it's harder talking to the older people, you know, above 30 to quit. Sure. Which I don't know if it's the way as a, um, as a community, the way we're going about it, or maybe we're not as harsh, I guess. I mean, think, let, me, let me rephrase it this way. Alcoholics. People hate that word alcoholic, you know, but you want to get them to quit. People that gamble, you know, gameaholic, whatever they're called. Drug addicts, heroin addicts, addict. People hate that word addict. How come they don't use that for people that smoke? We actually are. Are you? Okay. Uh, to the extent that we have, I think we've always treated it this way, but to the extent, Rich, that we used to call these cessation programs, we are now absolutely referring to our or tobacco, what for formerly were tobacco cessation programs, to tobacco treatment programs. This is the first time we've really advertised these as such, but it really is just dealing with this as it is. It is, a, as we've said before, probably the most addictive substance in American society today, and probably the most harmful. We can speak all we want, uh, certainly to the appropriateness of acknowledging heroin deaths in this county and throughout the nation, but that certainly doesn't uh, Compared to tobacco in any way, shape, or form, the deaths attributed to, to tobacco use. Well, and that's what gets me. I mean, all these other deaths, you know, whether it be heroin, drunk driving, or whatever, it still doesn't Say equal the numbers the of tobacco. The only drug in America, the only product in America when used as directed, kills and maims. And people just take it lightly. That's what I don't understand. Well, I, I think if you're talking about the old dogs, <laughs> <laughs> You know, they get beat down. People, Most people try to quit. Yeah. They yeah. try to quit numerous times. You know, if you go above three and you haven't quit, there are some people who just beat themselves up and they feel such total failures that they don't even want to talk about tobacco again. The pre-contemplation is not just those people who are enjoying their tobacco and they'll blow smoke in your face to prove it and right. no, they're not interested. But there's a, a whole population who just feel like it's impossible to quit because they tried and didn't get where they wanted to get. One, they didn't have enough some uh, of, of information about what their battle is. Right. And I would love to get people together in these groups because it, it's a learning process for all of us. Well, and it's more support for them. It's support. Uh, and I think that's a big thing. It, like you said, it's an addiction. You need the support. Well, and there's there's a lot of information that people don't know. I, I've had people, even in phone conversations with a couple of people, when I mentioned that with every puff of pleasure or chew of pleasure, they're getting polonium-210. You know what polonium-210 is? 
No, but I know you're going to tell me. Oh, boy. <laughs> it doesn't Highly radioactive. <laughs> highly radioactive substance what? found in all tobacco. There is a way to remove it. Cigarettes and chew all tobacco. All tobacco has polonium-210, highly radioactive substance. Actually, if you go back a few years, 2005, 2006, uh, there was a Russian spy assassinated in England, a very public, uh, horrific death over months because of radiation poisoning. The drug used was polonium-210. Now, when people smoke, they don't get that much of a dose, but it accumulates in the body. And may, that may be one of the reasons there's so much cancer related to tobacco. But yeah, polonium-210, a well-known fact for over 50 years, but I nobody talks about it. I talk about it, <laughs> obviously. But, um, you know, you don't know what is going to help somebody. I, I, I actually have someone who quit when he found out about the polonium-210. Sometimes when people find out that their secondhand smoke is injuring their pets, secondhand smoke will kill cats and dogs. There's certain leukemia, certain cancers. The length of the dog's nose depends on where the most uh, damage is done for most dogs. But uh, I've had people who quit mm. on behalf of their dog because some very smart uh, veterinarian shook his finger in their face and said, your secondhand smoke is killing your own pet. You're wow. making him sick. My dog's allergic to it. Seriously. She sneezes. That's a smart dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there's, there's just a lot that people don't realize. And so, in the process, when you have several weeks to kind of talk about the battle, bring out some body parts. I usually walk around with a smoked foot and some lungs and uh, um, yucky mouth. Yucky mouth, yeah, Mr. Foul Mouth. A, a skeleton on occasion, just to help people <laughs> get the impact. You should have brought that stuff to bed. <laughs> it's pretty hard to see over the way. It's true, but we're here. <laughs> we're taking pictures. Right. But uh, things like that, just it's, it's a mind-changing process. It's a, a behavioral change process. And most people, about the average is one out of ten people can just quit cold turkey. Most other people, the successful quitters would be those who actually are a part of a group who do choose, make a kind of a formalized quit plan and actually use some of the seven FDA-approved medications and use them properly. That's a key term, proper? Use, properly, use medication? Yeah. Read directions? What? <laughs> but, you know, there are people who would rather be shot <laughs> so than true. go to a group, and I know that. So I, I would just like to mention that if somebody listening is interested in, in working on a quit, there's phone help. 1-800-QUIT-NOW, free service. And through that service, they can also generally receive some kind of nicotine replacement. I'm going to give you this sheet. Um, there's also a texting program, Smoke Free Text, and uh, there's also websites, Smoke Free Gov, SmokingStopsHere.com, Become an X. I love the Become an X because that's a, a partnership between Mayo Clinic and a, a group that used to be called legacy but it is now 
truth. Did you say become an X? Yeah, become no, an not extra X thinking. Smoker. Become an EX. As that's an, what I thought you ex, said. Okay. An X smoker. Right. Well, yeah, I know that's I know that's what yeah, we're talking I about. Just, I I'm just thinking of the name. It's like, all right, what divorce lawyers behind this or yeah. something? I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, you're getting a divorce from cigarettes, Rich. You believe it? Okay. There, there are. Thank people, you, Sarah. I there are people who write dear Nick letters. Huh? Yeah. Dear Nick, saying goodbye to their why best friend. Why I'm saying goodbye because so many yeah. people think of tobacco as one of their best friends. friends. It's always oh there. Been Gosh. a companion for thirty years. Wow. Yeah, I mean, whatever it takes. <laughs> you you wake me up at midnight. There, there. I have about a thousand ideas that people can use to uh, start breaking away from tobacco. In any given time, somebody might get one or two ideas that will move them along the path. But as I say, there, it's not. Of course, I love the, the to work with the, the groups. Right. But I'll talk with anybody and help them get linked to the resources of their choice. That's why I have a little cheat sheet. <laughs> okay, and I think probably I've said enough about that, but obviously we like to help people get free from tobacco and to encourage, not nag, but to encourage. If you've got somebody you love who's a tobacco user, don't fuss at them all the time. Just go up to them maybe once every month or six weeks and say, you know, I really love you. And I just hope that someday you can get free from that stuff. I want you to and be around. It. Yeah. And drop it, you know. It, it's it's the devil's own. It, it um, destroys lives. It, it kills people, but those who have to watch somebody suffer, what tobacco has done for them, that's not a pretty sight, and the people are caregivers. It's not. They really suffer. We watched that with my mother, and I figured that, you know, my older brother and sister both smoke. Yeah. Or, well, my sister still does. Uh, and my younger brother doing, yeah. you know, chewing. Figuring them watching, I mean, she was on home hospice. Figuring them watching this would want them to quit. And I, I just. You forget I don't get the it. word addiction. Addiction hijacks the brain, and what the the rest of the world would look at and say, "Well, it's common sense that you got to stop that." Yeah. But if you're caught in the tobacco trap, it's not common sense. Common sense is how I get my next puff, how I get my next uh, hit. And like any addiction, uh, individuals uh, who who choose that path often will say to you, it's my life, my choice. Yeah. Well, yeah, often, first of all, one establishes it's not a choice. And secondly, we're quick to remind people, just as Linda said before, whisper in their ear how much you love them, that their death or their, their poor health would obviously adversely impact a whole lot of people beyond themselves. So again, uh, whatever mechanism we need to convince people to make that decision for themselves is the right way to go. Right. There is no best decision or right reason for quitting, there is only the, the right reason to quit. Linda, can you say what your phone number is so people can call you? I thought you would never ask. <laughs> and actually, we share this number, Dottie and I, 410-612-1781. Let me repeat that. <laughs> 410-612-1781.
And we're also on the website for the Harford County Health Department. We are linked there as well. Now, can people stop by the office too to talk? You know, if they can catch us in, there there are only um, three of us who are doing this. But if if they come in and we are in the building, we Mm -hmm. will come out gladly. In fact, routinely, people who come to the to the health department. We're located in Edgewood. Right. Uh, if somebody comes in and they are tobacco users, it's not uncommon that somebody will give us a call and we'll run out and uh, have a little chat. And sometimes they won't call us to come out and have a chat. They'll just, Linda, you might want to walk out. You and know, bring your skeleton. <laughs> bring those black lungs with you. Oh, man. <laughs> you just said it so casually that you usually bring your skeleton. Rich, I did want to be neglectful if I didn't mention that last aspect that I, I previously alluded to in the introduction, and that is the tobacco enforcement element. Uh, we run that under a separate funding grant, but the health department also coordinates annual random unannounced tobacco sale compliance checks to all retail sales vendors in the county. Uh, this is for purposes of enforcement of existing tobacco laws. Again, no one under the age of 18 uh, is, is able to purchase, uh, neither is, is sale uh, legal to those under 18 of any tobacco product of any sort. Uh, but the other thing we do is we, we provide uh, tobacco uh, tobacco enforcement educational outreach visits to virtually every tobacco vendor in the county, usually several times a year, for purposes of reminding them of and teaching them more about the, uh, the youth access law. So uh, obviously we start in, it's a very prevention, preventive oriented fashion. Uh, it, it's just another mechanism we have for trying to keep tobacco out of the hands of, of youth. So that number is a little bit different. Uh, you may notice our kiosk sign at the mall uh, for people who have identified vendors, tobacco retailers who are selling illegally to minors. We'd love to have that number. Uh, give us a call at uh, 612-1771. That's my direct number. And people who advise me, we've just had a couple this week. So, uh, also Do convenience stores, do they make any money off of tobacco sales huge amount much oh, most they of do. their profit are you saying yeah, con- convenience profit. stores yeah so my thought process was is is there any kind of action to get convenience store owners or something together to stop selling the product because if you don't have anybody selling the product then you're not selling the product they will but sell the product because it's far too profitable yeah and so that's, that was my most question. That's how most gas stations yeah. make their money yeah <laughs> and, and most of these mom pop operations don't have any any tight affiliation or formal organization of vendors, which makes it very difficult in, in Harford County. Retail, pharmaceutical, uh, and grocery chains mm-hmm. do have links, and we can, and actually, they do generally a very, very good job. And in Harford County, we've had a very good a very good compliance rate over the last number of years, whereas at one point in time, Maryland itself had had a compliance rate, or I should say, non-compliance rate of three out of 10 which was far in excess of federal compliance standards, uh, we've reduced that rate considerably now that we've reinvested money back into tobacco enforcement in the state of Maryland over the last four or five years. What is the penalty for um, a store or whatever selling to someone under age? Usually it, it, it results in a, in, a, in a criminal citation. In the past it has been a criminal citation, a criminal misdemeanor to the seller. Uh, but this year, it was very interesting you mentioned this, laws were passed that take uh, uh, effect in October of this year, where we are now 
converting to uh, civil enforcement so that it takes the uh, the enforcement or the fines will take, I should say, the the punishment takes the form of fines. First offense, $300. Second offense, $1,000. Third offense, $3,000. And uh, we're hoping that that'll make an impact. And I think we're looking in this fashion rather than to go after just the uh, the seller of the tobacco at the counter, also go after the licensee, which is where we really will make our impact. I was going to say, do you think, I mean, you look at, say, a big grocery store, $3,000 fine really isn't nothing to them. But do you think maybe they'll ever go to the route that, say, the alcohol does? I mean, you, if you have a liquor license, we you sell the minor, you're the suspended. License. Yeah, we do that as well. Actually, okay. these are reported then to the Comptroller of Maryland, and uh, they can move forward with suspension or revocation of licenses. Oh, yeah. so a convenience store can lose their license for selling tobacco. That's see, that's even hmm. better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I, that would be the problem. Which is we just can't yeah. be out there as much as we'd like to yeah. be. If, if uh, resources were unlimited, obviously we'd be out many, many times, particularly those vendors that we discussed that we know are selling to miners. Now, what ha does anything actually happen to the miner, though, that buys it? That's no, typically not. Number one, we're, we're, when the only way we have of knowing this is through our, uh, our enforcement operations. Right. Uh, the sheriff's office with whom we work recruits their own youth, ages 16 and 17, 15, 16, 17, to run the operations with them. So to that extent, we're, you know, we know that those are purchasing and, and they're exempt from, uh, from obviously from okay. penalty. Uh, but for those who, for whom it's reported or to whom it's reported, we don't know who the, who the kid is or, or whatever. And, and very often, of course, it's the same problem with, with alcohol that people will buy for them. They'll convince an 18-year-old to, to buy for them. And the other particular area is those convenience stores around schools is a particular issue. Yeah. And it seems like they're everywhere. Yeah. So bottom line, we're trying to combat this every every possible way that we can uh, through education, through our, our treatment efforts, as well as through our, our vendor enforcement efforts. You know, I think one of the key pieces in this is that people need to, I mean, all people, community, friends, neighbors, parents, people who care about people, need to just reevaluate what they think about tobacco mm -hmm. and and be willing to say something i i'm all for a kind and loving approach to things you know but <laughs> i've seen some people scared into quitting tobacco I, that doesn't always work but it 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 works sometimes yeah but it it's not just our office our team it's it's everybody in Hartford County it's, it's everybody anywhere around the world who kind of gets keyed in that tobacco, that issue is not resolved. There, there are still 480,000 souls who die tobacco-related deaths every year just in the United States. Jeez. That's the three jumbo jets fully loaded, crashing and burning every day for 365 years. When I saw that picture, it really hit me. But there's another picture here that I think we need to mention. Probably something like 40 to 45 percent of all cigarettes bought in Maryland and in the United States today 
are being bought by people who are struggling with mental health issues or substance abuse issues. Hmm. Confirmed that that's not even a, a question on that. Because people want to feel better. Yeah. And they think of tobacco as a cheap fix a lot of times. And and for somebody who's already depressed or already struggling with some very painful issue in their own lives and sometimes just struggling with other relationships, tobacco sounds like it, this will help me. And to really decrease the damage of tobacco in our community, everybody needs to step up and be helping each other out a little bit more. We're available, but neighbors can help neighbors, families can help families. Organizations can help too. Ding, ding, so, ding. There you go. We'll sign you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to give you some names before you all leave because I, uh, like I said, district level, uh, I mean, everybody it just. For rich dollars or not, funding or not, you know, I think that service fraternal organizations have that responsibility of the community. You're, yeah. you're service minded to begin with. So even if there's not a dollar sign attached to the work that you do, any work that you do is, is a certainly a significant To me, helping helping somebody is better than any dollar sign anyways. Absolutely. Absolutely. I get more joy and out of that. Quite honestly, that's why we're in the business that we're in. I think in public health, obviously, that is uh, the nature of most of the people right. that work in public health. Mm -hmm. Anybody have anything else to add? They even pay us to get to do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Not much. But they do pay us. Oh, actually, one quick question. We didn't really talk about it. cigars. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah, I used to smoke cigars every once in a while. Everybody's like, but I was always told you don't inhale, but you're still getting the nicotine, right? What is what is this, what's the difference between a cigarette and a cigar? Well, cigars bigger. <laughs> well, it could be size, but yeah. but it's it's the fact that uh, cigars are wrapped in tobacco, tobacco. or tobacco or product, tobacco. and so the little cigars, like the little black and milds and all that, or and even those that are packed in twenty that look like cigarettes. Yeah, and in the the whopper. Uh, oh, I didn't think about it. It's trapped in the tobacco. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so you're absorbing mouth cancer. You're exactly pancreatic cancer. Ding ding. Never ding. thought about that. It's been really enlightening for you today, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> then you'd be amazed what three little old local folks can say well, about tobacco. Well, because yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I quit tobacco, <laughs> but every once in a while, you know, if we're at a family event or whatever, you know. Uh, my brother or nephew will get some good cigars. Hey, let's just go out and enjoy a cigar. It's an adult pacifier. Well, <laughs> I didn't say. Although, the last time I did it, I said never again because I had a nasty headache. Mm -hmm. It wasn't from the beer. It was <laughs> well, you know, when, when most people Tomorrow don't think about the, the <laughs> jolt of nicotine they're getting, uh, a little black and mild. And this is a really rough, rough, rough equivalent. But... One of those little black and miles, which are easily available uh, everywhere, everywhere, <laughs> yeah. and kids can get them easily. Uh, in terms of nicotine contact, it's roughly about three times the nicotine is in a regular cigarette. If you're talking about a big old fat cigar, yeah, good old punch. I uh, that, <laughs> that could have 
the, the nicotine impact of about a pack of cigarettes. Wow. It just, it, it varies on the size, you know, things like that. But I, they're not really any better. And the thought that I don't inhale, if you've ever been a former cigarette smoker and you smoke a cigar, you probably smoke them in a very similar way. And I also hate to tell you, but when you open your mouth and you have the cigar in there, stuff goes down the throat. Yeah. Whether you inhale it or not, you, you're getting a good exposure. So like I said, I'm no longer going to smoke any cigars. Good for you. Yeah. Good. Our job is done. We got one person quit here. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we well, can go home. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want it took us an hour to get rich to quit smoking cigars. Uh, <laughs> one person at a time. Right. I think the last time I had a cigar was probably Christmas time. And before that was probably five years prior. There you go. Well, and, I and I don't even think I finished that cigar just because it just... No amount of tobacco is safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, down, no more no more cigars for good. me. And good I'm, I'm done. A good, a good cigar was, I mean, was good, but no. no. Glass of water is better. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to thank you all for coming, Richard. Me? Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, with you leaving us, Richard. For those of you that uh, don't know, the Richard Wilmore Show will no longer be based in Harford County. Yeah. He is leaving us the end of September. Yep. Moving to San Antonio, Texas. So. Yeehaw. Huh? Yeehaw. <laughs> Beautiful place. But I know he'll be, he'll stay in touch. He'll probably be flying back here once a month, right? Every time you need a co-host, I'll be back. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, both of you and Sarah. I, I can just record and let you and Sarah do it all. You have a travel budget here, right? <laughs> On that note, I want to thank you all for coming. I want to thank uh, Medical Health Group again for being our sponsor. Um, and Molly, I guess we'll see you again next month, right? Yes, we're doing cancer prevention. If you're looking for a good primary care practice, Look no further than right here in Harford County to Medical Health Group, located at 1415 South Mountain Road in Suite 100 right behind Wawa in Joppa, Maryland. They are doctors you can trust. Call them at 410-918-0777 or visit them at mhg, that's Medical Health Group, mhgdoctors.com.